everybody, and welcome to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and I'm excited to be back on here with another podcast for you guys. Obviously, the Tar Heel football team traveled to Durham this past Saturday and came out on the wrong side of things, losing 42-35 to to the 7-3 Duke Blue Devils, excuse me, who are having a pretty decent year and a stellar year in comparison to what the Tar Heels are having. Obviously, the Tar Heels, unfortunately, dropped to 1-8 overall and 1-6 in the ACC. So, hasn't been quite the year that the Tar Heels have wanted or expected, to say the least. But it is what it is. What it is, it is the, the situation that the program finds itself in. And losing another game to a rival like Duke is, is definitely not a good look for the coaching staff and the players and something that I'm sure they're extremely disappointed about. And, and it, same kind of goes for the fans as well. The fans are starting to get a little bit fed up with how things have been uh, going on and, and how games have ended and how these this team has just not been able to win games and find ways to win, and that's very understandable as well. But like I said, unfortunately, the Blue Devils beat the Tar Heels 42-35, to and North Carolina finds himself on a six-game losing streak right now, and it's just not been the season that North Carolina hasn't really been the past two seasons that North Carolina would have wanted or expected, but like I said, that's the situation that the program finds itself in right now. Um, I have to say I was not really looking forward to doing this podcast. I'm always excited to come on here, but it's just one of those games where it seems like every week I'm saying the same thing about this team. Um, they're close. Sometimes, sometimes they look good. Sometimes they look like they can beat somebody. And then sometimes they look like the worst college football team I've ever seen in my life. And that's just an unfortunate but truthful way to, to talk about it because this team has talent. That They're not short on talent. They, they have talent on this roster, on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, regardless of how bad the, the defense has been. There's talent on this squad. But for whatever reason, this team just can't find ways to win. And that's just been the theme for the season. So, wasn't really looking forward to coming on here and and having to talk about another loss because it just seems like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again every single week. And that just gets kind of boring to listen to as somebody who enjoys listening to podcasts. And as you guys listening to this podcast right now, it does get a little bit annoying and, and boring when the guy who's hosting the podcast is coming on and having to say the exact same every same thing every week, excuse me. But at the same time, my job and what I try to do with this podcast is to come on here and give the honest truth, talk about what I've seen, talk about some things I think this team did well and some things that this team needs to work on and some and things that this team is simply not good at. So we're going to go ahead and dive into this, this Duke Carolina review podcast, seven point loss for the Tar Heels. Going to break down some stats and then talk about my three biggest takeaways from this game as Carolina looks to bounce back and hopefully will bounce back this weekend against Western Carolina. This might be the only other game that North Carolina will be able to win this season because right now I don't see the Tar Heels getting anywhere close to beating NC State in a couple of weeks in Chapel Hill. But we'll just have to see. Stranger things have happened, and uh, you just never know in, in today's world and in college football. So, Guys, let's jump right into this Duke Carolina review. Carolina, a team that going into this game, I think at least I was a little bit more optimistic. I thought this team had a chance to go in here and get a win in a rivalry game because of you know the way that stats and, and records go out of the window really when it comes to rivalries, especially in Duke Carolina games. The team that 
you know, doesn't always have the the best record, doesn't always win. And it does the same thing this week. You know, the Tar Heels came in as a team that is really, really struggling, but I really thought they had a good opportunity to get a win against the Blue Devils team that has been a little bit up and down. They got a good victory against Miami the weekend before. And I was coming into this game thinking, all right, I think Carolina's got a shot here. And for the most part, they did. They ran all over Duke in the first half. It was a masterclass in the running game for Michael Carter and Antonio Williams for about a half. And then the third quarter came around and Carolina stopped handing the ball off for whatever reason. So not going to sit here and harp and, and blame coaches or go into what I think the coaching staff needs to be better. If, if I think they should be fired or not, it's not why I'm here to do this podcast. I'm quite frankly, I'm tired of talking about it. And instead, we're just going to try to focus on the stats, the point blank stuff that led to Carolina losing against Duke because the players need to come on the field and play a complete game. And this season, they have not done it in one game, maybe besides Pittsburgh. And that's why they got to win in that game. So we're going to break down the stats here and just try to figure out why this Carolina team can't seem to pull it all together and finish games out like you would expect and like we have come to expect from Larry Fedora teams in the past. And and I know the past couple seasons have been completely different, but this is a program that was an onside kick away from reaching the Final Four in 2015 and reaching the college football playoffs. And this is a team that is nowhere near that now. So let's try to figure out why by looking at some of these stats and try to figure out why the Tar Heels couldn't get it done in Durham again this past weekend. So guys, first downs, Duke had 29 first downs compared to Carolina's 25. So not a huge differential in the stats right there. Uh, Carolina was 6 for 15 on third down efficiency while Duke was 13 for 20. So Duke a lot more successful on third down than the Tar Heels were. Fourth down efficiency, both teams were 0 for 1 in that category. Uh, total yards, North Carolina 536. Last time I checked, over 530 yards is certainly enough to win. And Duke was 629. And bingo, you have the reason why Carolina lost. Their defense couldn't stop Duke. More specifically, Daniel Jones, 31 for 54, 361 yards, three touchdowns and one interceptions. One interception, excuse me, for Duke's number 17, Duke's starting quarterback. Daniel Jones also ran for 15 carries, 186 yards and another touchdown. So four total touchdowns on the day and over 300, well over 300 yards of total offense for Daniel Jones, had a career day. And going into the game, he had rushed for, I believe, 141 yards this season. And in the third quarter this past weekend against Carolina, he had up to 120 and ended up with 186. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about how this Carolina defense dealt with a quarterback that hasn't run really at all this season and a guy that isn't much of a runner when he does run. He's not a guy that's fast. He's not an elite guy that's going to beat you with his legs, but he made Carolina look silly. He made Carolina look like a defense who had no clue. He made Carolina look like a defense who was just a step slower than Duke in every facet of the game. And that's just an unfortunate thing to see. I mean, I know Duke only scored seven points in the second half. Carolina left 35 in the first. So if Carolina could have played similarly to how they did in the second half to what they did in the first half, then it could have been a completely different game. But like I said, Carolina this season on both in every facet of the game has struggled to put complete games together. And that's the reason why they've only won one game this year against a Pittsburgh team who ironically is first in the coastal right now, sitting at five and one overall. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, but um, this North Carolina program is just, it is a, a little bit comical at times with some of the things that this program has been dealing with. But nonetheless, you got to keep, you know, a positive outlook on the program. These kids come in every day and work their butts off. I'm not going to discredit any of the kids for that. I know 
they continue to play for the university and they, they give their all every weekend. They're just simply right now not good enough to finish games and find ways to win. And it happens with teams and it happens with programs when they get on a little bit of a losing streak. It just kind of turns into a death spiral and everything starts to go wrong. Whether it's winning games, can't find a way to win games, injuries like Carolina has had the past couple years, the fact that Carolina built a new practice facility that was supposed to open in September and now won't open until January or February more than likely. Everything is just kind of going wrong with this program. The shoegate suspensions as well. And when it gets like that, it's kind of crazy how a program can just, it seems like nothing can go right for North Carolina at this time. Some of it's self-inflicted, obviously, but some of it is just things that you kind of scratch your head at and wonder, how why is this happening to a Carolina program that three years ago was one of the best teams in the country? Not just the ACC, the country. And right now, they're one of the worst teams in the ACC, if not the worst team in the ACC besides Louisville, and undoubtedly one of the worst teams in the country this year in the FBS. So Daniel Jones made Carolina look very, very poor on defense, and he had a career day, had a great day. Uh, the Duke quarterback, so you got to give credit to him for coming out and competing. On the contrary, Nathan Elliott, 27 for 41, 221 yards and one touchdown. So Nathan Elliott had a decent day for the Tar Heels. Um, but like I said, 220 yards of passing isn't a lot uh, when it really comes down to, especially on 27 passes. It's not very good when you when you really think about it. And though only threw one touchdown, didn't throw an interception, so good for him in that game. But he was only averaging about five yards per pass, which isn't bad, but it also isn't very good either. So not a day to remember necessarily for Nathan Elliott, but like he's kind of done most of the season, he had an average game, and, and Carolina scored 35 points, so they scored more than enough points to win a football game, but once again, they couldn't find a way to do it. On the rushing game, though, Carolina was really successful. Michael Carter, 18 carries, 148 yards, about an 8.2-yard average per carry, one touchdown as well. Uh, it was a 40-yard run was his longest, so Michael Carter had a really, really nice day. Daz Newsom, one carry, 84 yards, one touchdown. Good statistic for him. I thought Daz Newsom looked good in this game. If he could just find a little way to be a little bit more consistent uh, from game to game, he'd be a really, really good wide receiver. But I'm excited to see what he does next year when he comes back. Antonio Williams, six carries for 26 yards, about 4.3 yards per carry. So a data, not necessarily a data to remember for Antonio Williams either. Uh, Michael Carter was really the stellar guy out of the backfield for North Carolina this past Saturday with a close to 150 yards of rushing and an 8.2 yard per carry average. So good day, good day, excuse me, by Michael Carter. And uh, hopefully we'll see that in the next couple of games to finish out the season because I do think Michael Carter is an elite running back. But one of the things we preached in the Duke preview was the fact that in most games this season, North Carolina hasn't been able to get Carter and Williams hitting on the same page in the same game. And that happened again. Williams with only 26 yards and then Michael Carter with 148. So if we could get both of those guys to get in the 90s, in the hundreds in one game, just think how much better this Carolina defense would be, or excuse me, Carolina offense would be. But instead, it's hit or miss. It's usually one guy tearing it up and the other guy having a really quiet day. Not sure why that is, but that's just really how it's been so far this year. Uh, Receiving-wise, Daz Newsome, six receptions, 66 yards, about 11 yards per catch, so over 100 uh, total yards of offense for Newsome. Good day for him. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, four catches, 54 yards. Good day for Anthony Ratliff-Williams. Would have liked to seen him get more than four touches on the ball, but it happens. Uh, he also had one rush for 13 yards and one touchdown. So Anthony Ratliff Williams had a decent game with over 60 yards of total offense for this team. Michael Carter, eight receptions for 32 yards. So Michael Carter ended up with uh, over 170, I believe 180 yards of total offense for North Carolina. So a really good day for Michael Carter. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to see that 
from him. Thomas Jackson also has some decent stats. Two catches, 22 yards, one touchdown. That was late in the fourth quarter for the Tar Heels. So ball was definitely spread out for North Carolina and a lot of guys got a lot of different touches on the ball, but nobody in the receiving game necessarily blew anybody away with what they did, maybe besides Newsom, who had a decent day for 66 yards. But when you compare it to Duke on the receiving end, TJ Roming, non-receptions, 98 yards, good day for him. Almost broke the 100-yard barrier with his with his performance. Chris Taylor, four receptions, 95 yards. And Jonathan Lloyd, five receptions for 65 yards. Chris Taylor also had a touchdown as well. So it was a good game for a Duke team. They did a lot of, they did pretty much did everything on the offensive end really well. Uh, Daniel Jones, like I said, 15 carries, 186 yards, one touchdown. And then Duke's running back, Deion Jackson, 17 carries, 78 yards, and one touchdown as well. So it was a good game. It was a really solid game in all facets of of the offense for Duke from passing, rushing, receiving. Duke really did a good job of exploiting Carolina's weaknesses on defense and, like I said earlier, making this team on the defensive side of the ball look like they've been performing over the past four games. I believe in the past four games, Carolina is averaging uh, about 550 yards or so. That's how much they're letting up a game on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of people continue to blame the offense, Nathan Elliott more specifically, but the fact of the matter is this defense is just atrocious. This defense has not been good enough to win games. At times, they just don't really look like they have a clue of what to do in order to stop teams. I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know if it's the talent. I don't think it's a lack of talent. There's a lot of really, really good players on this defense that should be performing a lot better than they are. So for me, it's got to come down to the scheme for from the coaching staff. Maybe it's just not good enough. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not at practice every day. I don't I don't, I'm not inside the program to really know enough information like that. I don't really understand enough about schematics on the defensive side of the ball to really sit here and be like, okay, Carolina's scheme stinks. It, you know, I think that's probably what it is when you look at the talent on this team. Carolina recruits pretty well every year besides this year, really, where they're currently, I believe, 64th in the nation in the 2019 class. So a year to forget on the recruiting end for Carolina this year, which you could expect with how, they, how poorly they've played over the past two seasons. But Carolina has the talent on both sides of the ball to not be one and eight. And I kind of been saying this a little bit as well. It seems like it's just one of those years where the talent's there. There is some weak links, maybe at the quarterback, um, maybe in the secondary for North Carolina, especially at the cornerback position with KJ Sales being out. But this team is good enough to win and they're just not finding ways to do it. And I can't really sit here and tell you why that is because, like I said, I don't know. But watching this team week in and week out, being at games, watching them on TV, uh, looking at stats, reporting on this team, being at press conferences, stuff like that. It's just a program right now that it seems like nobody really has a clear-cut answer as to why they have been so success unsuccessful over the past two seasons. And unfortunately, it's really been showing record-wise over the past couple of years. So that's the stat breakdown for Duke and Carolina. Um, individually, I think Duke, obviously, like you can tell, had a good game. But Carolina also had over 400, 536 yards on the offensive side of the ball. The problem was the defense led over 600 yards for Duke on the defensive side of the ball. So it just wasn't a good game from the defense, even though the offense found a way to play pretty well. Um, Carolina, 221 yards passing. Duke, 361. So Duke beat Carolina in that area. Rushing 315 for Carolina, 268 for Duke. So Carolina had a better rushing day than than the Blue Devils. Penalties, 10 penalties for Carolina for 115 yards. Six penalties for Duke for 40. So Carolina starting to play a little bit more undisciplined, which you could kind of expect from a team who's 1-8 and, and, 
and extremely frustrated, I can assume. No matter how well they, they do it hiding it, this has to be a very frustrated locker room. Turnovers, Duke had three, Carolina had nothing. So Carolina won the turnover battle by three. And one of the you know cliche things is if you can win the turnover battle, you can usually win the game. And Carolina had three less turnovers than Duke, had no turnovers on the day, and still couldn't find a way to beat this Blue Devils team. So it was just a very weird game again. I've said that a lot this season. It was a weird game to watch. And while I think Carolina did enough on offense to win, their defense just simply didn't show up for what is probably the fourth or fifth game in a row where they've just got run all over, probably since the Virginia Tech game, where this defense has not performed up to the standard you would expect, especially based on all the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball. But as you can see, Duke, just a better team in a lot of facets of the game, and Carolina just wasn't able to take advantage of the things that Duke didn't do well, and that's why you saw Duke come out on top 42 235. Now, we're going to go ahead and dive into my three biggest takeaways from the loss at Duke. You can go ahead and find those on my Twitter at Jacob Turner THI. Again, that's at Jacob Turner THI. I recently just started interning with Rivals affiliate Tar Heel Illustrated. Really excited for that opportunity. And I'm looking forward to where that takes me in my future, hopefully, future journalism career. And, you know, hopefully this podcast will continue to grow with some of the insight I'll be able to get covering the program a little bit heavier and having a little bit better access to what's going on for football and basketball at UNC Chapel Hill. So really excited for that and can't thank the guys over there enough for that opportunity. Three biggest takeaways from the loss at Duke. First one for me, for the 11th straight week, UNC still has a quarterback problem. It's not something that I can sugarcoat. I think Nathan Elliott's done an okay job, but when it comes down to it, like I've said week in, week out, Nathan Elliott just isn't good enough to help this team win and make this team win by himself. He needs weapons all around him, and he needs a really good defense because most of the time he doesn't put up enough points. He doesn't do those things like you were accustomed to from Marquise Williams, Mitch Trubisky, making special plays. He rarely makes any special plays in games. He just kind of does what's asked of him. And the average bare minimum of what you need your Power 5 quarterback to do, especially for a team that doesn't have a good defense. And for me, Nathan Elliott's just not the answer for this squad. A little bit weird that Cade Fortin came in for the final possession of the, excuse me, final play of the game just to toss a 40-yard bomb to the end zone that was batted down by Duke easily. Fedora was asked about it in his press conference today and didn't really give a solid answer on why he did that. It was kind of just, you could kind of tell, wasn't quite sure and maybe regretted the fact that he did it because it was a weird play to bring a guy like Fortin in who was injured, still injured, that almost got hit when he threw that ball especially with the fact that Nathan Elliott can throw a ball 40 yards. We've seen him do it before. Obviously, Fortin has a bigger arm, but if he's hurt, why put him in? He's also lost an ability to play two games. He could have played two more games uh, to not have to worry about being losing his red shirt and instead comes in against East Carolina, plays against Virginia Tech, and then plays one play against Duke. And now he's only got one more game of eligibility before he'll lose his red shirt. So a little bit questionable there for the fact that he just came in for one play. And uh, a lot of questions around that. We're not going to focus on that too much when it really comes down to it. I think if Carolina had the likes of Reuter or Fortin instead of Elliott, maybe this team would have won a couple more games. I don't think it would have mattered a whole lot because I think there's a lot more deficiencies in this team than just the quarterback position. I don't want to sit here and blame Elliott for all the struggles because that's just not right. But that's my first big takeaway, and I'll continue to say it until I see Nathan Elliott do some special things on the field. I just haven't seen enough from him for me to really sit here and say he's the guy to take this program forward. Second biggest takeaway for me, the defense still struggles to stop teams. I mean, it's just really quite that simple to say, especially through the air. 
Um, this Carolina defense right now, I tweeted this actually last night, was looking at some of the stats for them. In the FBS right now, currently UNC is ranked 112th in third down conversion percentage defense. It's 82nd in fourth down conversion percentage defense. 118th in rushing defense, letting up 230 yards per game. And 109 in total defense, letting up 453.9 yards per game. So 454 yards per game for this defense. So it, this defense is poor. And they can't stop anybody. I'm not sure why, like I've harped on on this podcast, I don't have a definitive answer for that. I think the scheme has a lot to do with it because I think there's talent on this defensive side of the ball. There's experience on this defensive side of the ball. I mean, heck, Malik Carney's a future NFL player. The D-line's super talented, even though there's been some injuries. They do have a weak link on the secondary besides Patrice Renee. And um, for me, Miles Dorn. I think J.K. Britt has not been that great this season. He's played some okay games. I don't think he's an elite safety or up to the standard of, of maybe Miles Dorn. And then you got the likes of, of Greg Ross Jr. And, and C.J. Cotman having to step in for an injured K.J. Sales. And they have just been targeted and targeted and targeted every single game, including the Duke one. And um, that's kind of what a lot of opposing offenses have done well, is really focus on Carolina's weaknesses and exploit those week in and week out. So you have to give credit to opponents for doing that. And that's something Carolina has really struggled to do on the offensive side of the ball themselves. So... Second big takeaway for me, the defense just isn't good enough. They're giving up way, way too many points, and you can't expect to win games with a defense that's allowing 400-plus yards, close to 450 yards a game. You just can't expect to win a lot of games like that, especially when your offense it doesn't really have a quarterback, an elite quarterback back there who's going to just win games by himself with the talent that he has. So third biggest takeaway for me, these kids continue to fight. Got to give them credit for that. But like I've said week in and week out, it seems like I'm just repeating myself every week like I've said already. They can't seem to find ways to win. They just don't look like a team that believes they're going to win. They don't look like a team that has a clue on how to win when it comes down to it. They just look like a team who is a little bit lost for words right now, is a little bit lost and doesn't really have an identity and an idea of what they need to do to be successful on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, on special teams, coaching, anything and everything. They're just not doing a lot of things well. And they're definitely not doing a lot of things well enough to win football games, as you can see by their record. So wanted to kind of make this podcast super quick. I've come on here and I just don't really have a lot to say anymore. It just kind of seems like I'm repeating myself every week. So I didn't want to come on here and just do that Uh, again. It's kind of getting a little redundant. I don't really have anything else I can say about this team that is going to really offer any insight into why this team's struggling so much. Like I said, I think coaching's to blame. I think some players have underachieved this well uh, this year as well. I think that this program right now is just not in a good spot, obviously. And like I said, it kind of turns into a death spiral and everything just starts going wrong. Injuries have affected this team as well. Don't get me wrong on that, but there's a reason for these injuries. There's something going on training-wise behind the scenes that's making these happen. It's not coincidence that it's happened two years in a row. It's not how things work. Um, they're the only team in the country that really deals with injuries like that, so... There's just a lot of things that I could sit here and talk about for a long time that could be the reason Carolina is struggling. But I think if you put them all together, you really start to see, oh, okay, there's just a lot of problems with this football program right now. And I believe Larry Fedora will be here next year. I believe he'll have to clean house and hire a whole new staff pretty much, including probably strength and conditioning. So we'll see. I think a few coaches will make it. But at the same time, I could see Larry Fedora getting fired if they lose to state. And if they lose to Western Carolina, which I highly doubt will happen in Western Carolina's a even worse team than North Carolina, three and seven on the year, seven game losing streak for them. So I do think Larry Fedora will probably be here next year. You never know what could happen. 
But if I had to put money on it, that's where I would. That's what I would bet my my chips on. So it is a little bit of a weird spot to be in for a Carolina fan perspective from a guy who covers Carolina and and, and you know loves Carolina as much as I do. But I continue to say it every week. Continue to support this team. Continue to show up at Keenan Stadium. And regardless of what you think about the coaching staff, quite frankly, I don't care. Continue to support the team and continue to support these players who work their butts off every week and and just try to help this program get over the hump because, like I said in a, in a tweet earlier this week, it will get turned around. This program will get turned around. I don't know if it'll be next year or two years from now. could be, you know, could be against State. We could win that game and then never look back and have a really good season next year as well. You just never know. But right now, this t- program is not in a good spot, and hopefully things will start to change here soon. But, guys, that's going to do it for me. We'll be back tomorrow with a basketball preview podcast. Brandon, too, will be on here. I had to push it back a few times. We had some conflicts this weekend um, and some other things that we had to kind of work out in order to be able to make that podcast happen. But we're going to make that happen and looking forward to it. Um, We'll also have a Western Carolina preview podcast coming out later this week as well, guys. So that's going to do it for me. As always, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up.